you're listening to Unique Leaders Podcast. I'm Megan DiMartino. Success is in the story. Each week, I'll be speaking with a unique leader, not only in their field, but in their lives. Join us for a glimpse of their passion and talents. There's always a surprise in their story. Be the first to hear. Hello, 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 and welcome to Unique Leaders Live. I'm Megan DiMartino, and it is Friday, my favorite day of the week, and not because it's Friday and the weekend, but because of Unique Leaders Live. Unique Leaders Live is a time of information, a time to join together with unique leaders that have a story that we are bringing to you. These stories are their heart, their journeys, and I know you will see yourself in them. This began over a year ago during a very difficult time in our world, and I just knew it was time to bring people together. And with that, today's story is no exception. This is my dear friend, Tamara Andrus, who is an amazing woman who has accomplished much, but her heart is for the Lord and her heart is for service. And I can't wait for you to see her heart hear her heart, experience her heart, and know that you too are part of this heart. And that's the other piece of Unique Leaders Live, that we all say, I couldn't do this. I'm not that accomplished. But Tamara has a story. People say, you know, the success leaves clues. I don't like clues. I like the whole story. That way you can hear that essence. Unique Leaders, as I said, started last year. We've done over um, a year of broadcasting. This is on uh, YouTube as well as on all the podcasting platforms. So today, if you could share this out to every uh, uh, social media platform that you're on, go to YouTube, subscribe, and then next Tuesday, it'll be up on all the podcasting platforms. So go to iTunes and subscribe. I truly, truly would appreciate it because it will bring these stories not only again and again to you, but also to people that you love, care about, and know that these will truly, truly help. So without further ado, I'd like to bring to you my dear friend, Tamara. Hello. hello Thanks for hello. having me. What an intro. Well, it's all true, my dear. It's all love true. It. It's Thank all you. true. I'm excited. I think there were so many parts. I'm like, oh, I could talk about this. And then you say something else. I'm like, oh, I could talk about this. <laughs> so wherever this conversation goes, I'm <laughs> so looking forward to serving your community and love that you show up in this way because you're right. Everybody has a story. And my favorite part about stories is that you're sharing the inner light of how you've created the brightness, right, that we all are today. Um, and sometimes our lights go out. And it's important to understand how we get to turn them back on. And I think that's the variation between a clue and just you see and bear witness to a light versus the actual understanding of how it works. Great that you, I knew you would understand that clearly, Uh, (laughs) clearly, but it is that uh, turning, I love that Tamara, turning on the light. So let's go back to young Tamara. Where did you uh, grow up a little bit about your DNA, as I say, uh, when you where you began and what brought you to today. Sure. Those beginning cameras. Yeah. So I was born and raised and still currently reside in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And uh, my dad was military. And so they came over from California and uh, they they got rooted into an awesome community. 
Uh, early Tamara was no different than now, full speed all the time. Uh, my mom and dad called me Bam Bam. I could, I was really chunky when I was born, so I would roll and couldn't walk or crawl and eventually ended up getting asthma. And so my parents put me into gymnastics very early and I've been basically cartwheeling ever since. <laughs> I love, I love to move. I love to shake, love to dance, all the above. Um, but yeah, my journey started with a lot of fitness background, a lot of health and well-being background, um, also leadership was something I was really keen to and interested in all the way from second grade when I got plugged into student government in school. And so many of my teachers would just like press into me and give me insight and also take me by the hand to make sure that I was de being developed in that way. I was, you know, president of my elementary school, president of my middle school in student government in a lot of different realms, ninth through 12th grade. And I just really was interested in that piece of, of being not in the limelight, but being able to resource my gifts and talents in a way that um, was able to create momentum. I knew that I could affect change in my, not only my voice, but also in my activation of. Um, and that was all of the things in addition to the gymnastics. I mean, I was going to gymnastics 20-ish hours a week. So it was full time in addition to school and my leadership exposures. And at the same time, that was everything that was happening in the light, right? And what happens in the dark behind the scenes is what's going on in your head, what's going on in your heart and festering in your mind. And uh, I was suppressing a lot, suppressing the, the limelight, suppressing being put on a pedestal, suppressing the expectations of achievement, of glory, of always having the picture perfect everything. And that started so young that I didn't really at some points even understand that I was coping or suppressing in the dark because it felt like what is true and what is not, what causes emotion and what doesn't. And it was interesting, you brought up that I had posted yesterday in regards to this a limelight experience, right? Like hitting bestseller in, in multitudes of categories as you release a book and there's conferences happening. And so I'm, I'm on stage and it's really no different than what it was like then, but there's one pivotal point. And the pivotal point is my surrender. Mm -hmm. Surrender of who I am rather than who I'm expected to be and understanding the difference between being and doing. And so I hope that this is where we can move the conversation because I think it's a really, really Absolutely. critical point. Absolutely. Well, as we do that, um, you, you know, as you're sharing your younger years and the evolution of that, you know, um, two things struck me. Number one, that uh, I speak to many, many people and most people do not live where they started. Most people do not. Mm -hmm. And so that's an interesting fact that you're there, you're grounded, you're rooted in that community. And number two, that leadership uh, dynamic and quality in you uh, began at such an early age. And that, like you said, though, there's always that darker underside, that underbelly that uh, we are, um, because that's the human element, that's the human dynamic. Yeah. But uh, but one question: Were your uh, parents aware that you had a conflict? And I ask this, Tamara, for as we go into what you just shared, is that I, I ask this from the standpoint: I have two daughters, and I was a high achiever, and um, you know, a, kind of a flip of your story, and uh, kind of brought them along the ride with me. And um, how much of that? But I didn't, from a perception, feel that there was any. Uh, dark side to it, so to speak. But as I speak to them as adults, uh, you know, everyone has their own darker side. Mm 
So my question is, where, did your parents have an understanding that you were struggling? They didn't. No, not at all. I was uh, always told since I was little, I'm still told this today, but in different contexts because I receive it differently. Like you're a light when you walk into the room or your smile is so contagious. And so I thought and felt as if I was anything else, if I didn't show up in the expectation of this is Tamara, she's always happy and cheerful and go get her and all of these things that I would not please uh, from that people pleasing perspective, but I also wouldn't be me if I wasn't that box persona. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't even until my late 20s, I was 29, that even my parents had any inclination that mm -hmm. anything was happening on the inside. And to be fully transparent, I didn't really know. I knew that there was like a battle between flesh and heart and, and truth and light and dark, however you want to say it, like the little red devil on one side and the angel on the other. Mm -hmm. I recognized it, but nobody had ever created language around what that meant or that it was normal or that depression and anxiety paralleled to joy and, and um, life. I didn't know these things. And so I just thought this is me. And why do I have to struggle in this regard? And I'll just put on the mask, no different than the mask from uh, Jim Carrey's movie. I'll just put it on when I go out because that's what they expect me to look like. That's how they expect me to come. And then when I'm by myself, I'll deal with whatever these emotions are. And so when I was 29, I found out through a series of events, but specifically in therapy and a book that my therapist had given me, uh, I rejected therapy a lot. And we can talk about that. It was mm -hmm. mainly because I wasn't able to be truthful with myself in private. So how are you ever able to be truthful with someone in public? So as a few uh, sessions in, she gave me this book that I, I didn't think was for me. I'm like, this doesn't even have any connotation to what I'm walking through. And about chapter three, I fell to the floor in shock and awe and uh, fear of a memory that had suppressed so much since I was about three years old. And it was a sexual trauma experience with a child who had a mental handicap, who was the size of a man. He was about 13 at the time and uh, silenced me into these experiences. And then at some point, shamefully, I carried it out because how do you say, is it his fault or is it my fault? And mm -hmm. I knew no different for a multitude of situations and years and then stumbled into uh, pornography when I was about six and into cyber sex when I was about 12 and the list goes on. And so I'm 29 years old. I have this recollection of memory and immediately it floods to the connection points of all of these dark moments. And I couldn't, I couldn't look myself in the mirror. I couldn't comprehend how am I all of these things in the light and all of these things in the dark? Who am I actually really? And is it even possible that anybody, my husband included at the time and my one and two-year-old, how could they love me? And so that's where I spiraled out into suicidal ideation and things like that. So the book, what is the title of that book? It's called No Stones. I don't even have the title, the author's name at the yeah. top of my tongue. I, I can see exactly what the cover looks sure. like, but sure. No Stones, the concept was sexual addiction. And what a burden to carry and how many people, millions, have um, not necessarily the exact same experience as you, but something that uh, alters their journey, yeah. alters their path, um, and that they carry that burden and you carry it privately without even speaking to your mother or whomever. And um, what led you to 
uh, at 29 or maybe a little before to say you needed to speak to someone. And like you said, uh, what you felt it wasn't working because you weren't being um, introspective or truthful with yourself. How can you be with someone else? So uh, how did you know to do that? Because many people don't, Tamara. They yeah. do not. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest, I didn't have a, a personal self-awareness moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually a it was a conviction and also an accusation that led me to that. And I remember pulling in to my driveway. My little girl had barely been uh, weaned from nursing and was waddling at this point. So she was about 10 months old. She started walking really early. And uh, I had been working at this point. I was an entrepreneur. I'm still an entrepreneur. Um, and that's really all career path I'd really known at that mm-hmm. point. But I was working about 70 hours a week, 60, 70 hours a week. And I would come home and I saw her and I couldn't wait to hold her and pick her up and give her a kiss. And she, instead of coming towards me like you would expect, and my toddler did, she mm-hmm. turned around and walked the other way to, towards her dad. And I remember feeling really isolated in that moment Mm -hmm. to the point where I didn't even feel connection to them. I wanted to just go inside and continue to be alone, even though I've just been with people all day long. Mm -hmm. And I I found out a couple of days later that my husband had compiled a bunch of little white lies into an understanding that something else is happening. This isn't the woman that I married. She's not the woman of integrity that I keep calling her out to be. Mm -hmm. And uh, we need to face a conversation and so when I did that, and I felt as if I had a forced situation. And, and I think a lot of times people can be pushed into a corner mm-hmm. and they have choices. I, I had choices, but I had choices to leave. I had choices to say, you don't know what you're talking about. I had four things to, I can take everything and go. Um, it would be easier often to, to stay in the dark. And I, I didn't want that anymore because when I pulled into the driveway, I had this understanding of my tombstone. And I knew the end of the day, my tombstone is not going to say entrepreneur on it. Whose does? It says wife. It says friend. It says mother. It says mm-hmm. sister. It says daughter, child of God, perhaps. And yet none of those things felt worthy of being etched into any stone, even mm-hmm. though those were the things as a little girl I had hoped and prayed and wanted your whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt void within motherhood. I felt void within being a wife. And it's ultimately because I was void in who I was and my greatest calling as being a daughter of the king. You know, uh, what you shared about the 29 uh, brought back to mind. And as you're speaking further here, when I was 29, I went to therapy myself. Mm-hmm. And the, the, I'll never forget, never forget, I was leaving and uh, her office finished one session and she looked at me and she said, you know, you're very lucky. And I looked at her like, lady, I just paid you, you know, $40 <laughs> and I don't have that. And didn't you just listen so to my lucky. story? You yeah, know, exactly. Didn't you listen to my story? And I looked at her like lucky and she read my face and she said, you're very young. Mm-hmm. Most people come here when they're 49, 59 mm-hmm. and, uh, and, don't, and don't have their life ahead. You have your life ahead. I'll never forget that. Yeah. And I've, I've had that own recognition recognition. And, and I, I jokingly say like I had a quarter life crisis rather, rather than the midlife crisis. Right. (laughs) And I am, I'm so grateful for that because the majority of all of the people that I serve from a personal and professional development realm, that's their age. They're, they're in their forties and fifties and they want something that I have already not attained because I believe in the fact that we're always becoming, and there's more to my story and there's more to the identity of God that I seek. Um, but it's this light 
And, and instead of walking into a room and feeling as if I had to put on a show, mm -hmm. I now get to walk into a room and be. And that being, which is that innate eternal light, that innate internal peace and joy that mm -hmm. are fruits of the spirit that have grown in my life because of obedience and surrender are now an attraction quality, not to me, not to anything Tamara is, anything Tamara has done, any part of my story, but to the glory of the creator who created me to proceed um, or to have him within me so that he could proceed into the room. Would you um, repeat a, a sentence you said about, and I'm not going to quote it properly, but um, that we're, you know, we are, we are his, not ours, meaning that, it, you know, it because so many people perceive that they are the identity of the world, uh, but we are not of this world. We're in this world. But as you said, so just start from that place and go now into where you are, because you are always becoming. I'm always becoming. We're all always becoming. And so many people do not understand that. They just yeah. don't. Yeah, I think it's the element of grace and it, and it's on the juxtaposition of what society says, right? Society says that there is an American dream. Society says that there is success. Society says on a magazine or in a movie, this is what as a woman we're supposed to look like, be like, feel like, talk like. And that's an identity that's being cultivated by lies, mm -hmm. a ton of lies. And it's putting a uh, suppression over women. And it has for so long, even within the church, right? The identity that we're not supposed to speak. Well, in the garden, he never said, Eve, be quiet, right? In fact, he wanted to hear from her. And he made her with curation to be a helpmate. And a helpmate is also a voice. And actually, helpmate, Azer, is actually discussed in the Bible and describing Jesus over 33 times. And so Jesus himself is who we are, and there is no separation of man versus woman. And so identity is something we think we're supposed to be and become. And yet identity is a, just a component of the evolution of self based on the character of God. And so God is steadfast. But when he created us, he created us with a mission. He created us with a plan. And who I was when I was born is not the who I am I'll be when I go to heaven and sit at the right hand of the Father. And the reason is no different than Jesus himself. There's a cultivation process that happens. And there's two lenses to that cultivation process, either allowing the world, the enemy, Satan, secular, whatever word you want to use, mm -hmm. to be the curation of yourself that is a fictitious being or to stand within the identity of the Father, which is a place of grace, which is a place of peace, which is a place of becoming and sharpening. It's sometimes harder, right, to, to feel like you're you're standing within the will of God because it feels like secular culture is just like, go with the flow, like eventually you'll become. And that is actually disobedient to the will of God because there are not rules and regulations to religion. I believe in a relationship, but when I'm in true relationship, even just with myself, or let's use my spouse as an example, relationship takes communication. It takes integrity. It takes removing the veil. And that's what my relationship with God has been and how I've transcended from worrying, people pleasing, feeling in a sense of expectation to anyone other than my father, right? My kids want to please me. They want to show me when they've drawn something amazing at school. They want to tell me when they got a sticker on the calendar because they did something fantastic or they got to help someone at school. They want to tell me not because they need the approval of my love, but because they get showered in praises in the addition of my mm -hmm. love. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what it feels like when I get to come to the father at the end of the day in a robe of white rather than the altar exchange that had to happen multiple times and still happens, but multiple times versus feeling like I'm living in the dark. But, you know, all of the um, uh, personal connection words, trust is such an integral piece to uh, all of that, because, again, we have to understand that's with the relationship with the father, with Jesus, with your husband, with friends. It's trusting that you can be your authentic you and that you can forge on to your dreams, goals and aspirations, that it is trust. Yeah. And, And I think that's an element that people have to cultivate within themselves so often even when you're little, right? You're, you're put into an environment and I'm thinking specifically of my daughter who's six now, but at the time mm-hmm. people kept blanking, blanketing her with this understanding that she was shy, right? They would call her shy right out the, oh, she's so shy, she'll warm up. And it bothered me because I'm like, first off, you can't call her shy. You don't even know her. <laughs> like you're a stranger at this point. So don't call someone until they've allowed you to open themselves up to see who they truly are. Mm-hmm. Um, but also you're, you're putting a, a label on my child and they have yet to become right. They've yet to wave their hand and say, this is who I am. And so we started changing language very early within our children's lives to free them up from any of these shackles that are created. And nobody meant badly by it. They're just, you know, just saying what culture does. They want to put us in a label. They want to know what your title is. What do you do Mm -hmm. is the first question people ask rather than who do you be? I've shifted that language since I came into knowing who God was and what my purpose here on light in in the world is. And it's it's not about what do you do, because oftentimes what people do is not who they are. And so I've been shifting that to what are you most passionate about? And it throws people for a curveball every single time because nobody asks. Nobody asks the kid, what do you want to be when they grow up? Or that's exactly what they ask. They don't ask them, what are they passionate about right now? Because that's the component of identity that will evolve with them rather than feeling like, oh, you're getting accolades because you say you want to be a doctor, definitely be a doctor, lawyer or one of those things. That's not who everyone is meant to be. Mm -hmm. And so slowly but surely we become the mirror of the world rather than the mirror of God, the father and the image of being able to see eye to eye with him. We don't recognize our sense of self because somebody else has told us for so long who we are. That's very powerful what you just said there, the mirror of the world. And if you visualize a mirror and and then you can go into the the skinny mirror, the fat mirror, the distorted mirror, the fun house mirror, and it's a distortion of what the world says you are. Mm -hmm. And it's going within and being and becoming. That is the title of your book. Share with um, our guests a, a bit about, you know, the evolution of that. Obviously it's your journey, but um, the full title and how that began and a little bit about what's going on right now with it. Sure. So it's called Always Becoming Sex, Shame and Love. And it's talking through, of course, some of these story pieces that I'm telling you now, some even more in detail. And it's helping people unlock what happened and transpired when I came to that point of shift into that point of identity so that I can help other people do the same thing. And I have done that also through my podcast, the Fit in Faith podcast. And it's been a journey of recognizing alignment. 
And what does alignment actually mean? A lot of people tell us about balance. And because I was a gymnast for so long, I lived my life with this desire of balance. Okay. If I can live in the light long enough, I can, it's okay if I'm in the dark because I'm balanced, right? But at some point that falls off kilter Mm -hmm. and alignment, which was the new phraseology and the new understanding of self mental health for the first time in my life, physical health, rather than looking at it through the lens of the mirror, I've always been fit because of gymnastics, but I was actually vainly fit and also had so many body image issues on what the expectation of myself was as a woman. And so I was constantly trying to fit into this mirror Uh, emotional stability and understanding myself outside of ego, but actually self-awareness. How do you feel? Why do you feel this way? And, And recognizing that God gifted us emotions with intention. If I cannot be emotionally sound, it's really hard for me to serve, especially as a wife, a mother, a friend, and even more so within my purpose, which I feel like is even greater than that. And that's in the service of others through um, mission-driven leaders in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's a book about that becoming and how for other people to unlock it. I actually take them through what you would know as a fitness journey. So from the warm up all the way to the cool down, we talk about setting your intention. We talk about hydration and we talk about detox. And what does that mean? Not from a, a diet mentality, not from a cultural mentality, but from a full mind, body, soul integration. So mm-hmm. things like minimalism and how I ended up letting go based on the teardown and renovation of our home, letting go of all of this material stuff, how I went through um, this practice of, of fashion and letting go of not shopping anymore and the addictions that come along with societal expectations and a lot of addictions that people don't talk about as addiction, but are okay and societally norm, mm-hmm. including things like alcohol, body image, all of that. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, the the book is, it's been great. It's It came out last week officially, and it's hit number one in, in 10 different categories on Amazon. I'm so grateful. And it's incredible to see from a sermon's perspective, there's so many sermons inside of it, um, from a like a biography perspective, that memoir piece, but the leadership piece is a huge part of that too, because if we are not vertically aligned, Mm -hmm. if we can't understand that sense of identity and be in peace and trust with ourself, we cannot go out and serve in any capacity. And we're called to serve. We're called to show up into the world in the way that God has created us, whether you're a teacher, a nurse, a firefighter, an entrepreneur, a CEO, a banker, it doesn't matter what you do. All of those things come down to human to human connection, heart to heart connection, Mm -hmm. no different than this conversation. But if we're distorting our hearts in private, how do you expect your heart to serve in public? That's it it. right there. And the courage to uh, not just now, because this has been evolving, but just to um, go within, start that journey, uh, be uh, transparent with yourself, honest with yourself, do the work. Because as you're speaking, I'm just my uh, life is flashing, but also I'm thinking about others and how uh, this book and you will help so many women and men to understand that it is not the what the world is calling us to be. Uh, it is what the Lord is calling us to be, to go within, to do that work, and then, as, as the word says, to go out and touch and see, you know, to bring that light out to the world. And you are truly doing that, Tamara. It's just uh, really a a treasure to really know you and also to um, see your journey and see this evolve evolve and uh, 
uh, it's amazing, not amazing because that doesn't amaze me, but I can't wait to see. I was listening to Danelle Delgado uh, this morning and she was talking about uh, that someone posed, what are you going to do or where are you going to be next year? Yeah, I loved that. And uh, I, I wrote it down. I'm going to do that exercise. Yeah. And and here, you know, I'm at a very different place of just numerical journeys around the sun. But we have so much alignment of our hearts, of what yeah. we our journeys are to be, yeah. because we are always becoming. So what do you see? Um, like we just said, just I, we could go on and on about this. But what do you see next that our guests can see from this book and other things that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So the book will likely go on tour with me next year, but the, it, just in the next couple of weeks, I have several speaking opportunities and conferences that I'm hosting. Um, I'll be at the Grow for God conference with Glenn, who you've been a part of his community for so long. And my intent is to continue to serve. So I do personal and professional development. And one of my favorite things, which I talk about in the book as well, is this concept of living a life on purpose and in play. And so we do international retreats for women, which are so incredible that are not necessarily professionally driven. But I've found anytime that somebody gets personally aligned, their professional life flourishes. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it's identifying their purpose within their passions, which are personal, but also meant for the greater good of the kingdom. And so I love that I'll be around the world with people and women next year. We're going to Costa Rica and the Dominican Republic. And uh, I just want to continue to help businesses uh, flourish and in business. What is that heart business? It's head business. And it's also the hard work business that you see from an entrepreneurial. And so seeing people step into their story and their message on purpose and with purpose and, and creating those mission driven leaders. And it, you know, I'm thinking about the hard work that it took to get to this place with writing a book. It is not easy uh, to publishing that book, to building the marketing of that book, to bringing it to number uh, one in 10 categories. Not an easy task to do, Um, but also the uh, programs that you're doing and then the speaking and writing. But what I'm also hearing is that all of this work is the foundation for going back, so to speak, because when I first met you, you shared about your uh, retreats and, and things of that nature. So it's it makes my heart happy to see that then all of this work will be used for the next step. What yeah. That, you know, it's yeah. Still- and, you know, that's the that's the peace and the grace of becoming is like a lot of people. They have this plan and my plan could shift at any given point if I am uh, willing and in that postured heart of conviction of God, where would you lead me? Right. And so I was having an amazing conversation yesterday with David Waldy, who is additionally a, a fierce empathy coach in the marketplace, which I think is incredible. And I was telling him oftentimes God like has a light ahead of me. Like I know I'm supposed to run towards him. And the path in which I get there is going to change and evolve. And I just have to stay fixated on him. The other things will come to fruition as I stay and remain obedient. And so rather than focusing on all of the closed doors, which is often what happens and why people get into that space of I can't move forward, which way do I go? Where is my calling? What is my purpose? It's less about identifying the one placement. I didn't achieve the American dream because I had a white picket fence and two kids and a hot husband, right? That wasn't it. There was more to the story. Mm -hmm. And so the evolution exists in the fact that he wants us to step into tomorrow. 
He wants us to step into it confidently, courageously, and blindly. That's what faith is. I don't know how it's going to look next year, but I partner with you that when I look back on my life a year from now, it's going to look drastically different because it's going to be the new version of self. And I will not be sitting or doing any of the exact same things that I'm doing now, other than the identity of wife, mother, and child of God. So with that said, because that is that, A, that foundation, that growth and that evolution, but you touched on something earlier. And when you were speaking about how the world um, wants to put people in a box and alignment, you know, what do you, you said, what people ask, what are you going to be when you grow up? Um, well, I asked the uh, same question to all my guests and it really has a um, essence with Three Feet from Gold written by Sharon Lecter and Greg Reed, one of my favorite books. And I'm, you know, I'm sure you're aware of it if you have not read it, but uh, basically for our guests, it's a uh, fiction, essentially, um, and about Greg Reed's uh, life. It's autobiographical, biographical, but um, it also starts out with a piece from uh, years ago during the gold rush days. And this gentleman from the East Coast got gold fever and went west and bought his piece of property, started chiseling away at it and became very discouraged. And as time went on, became more and more discouraged and ultimately gave up and sold his property to a local person. And that person dug in and in three feet struck gold. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Hence, three feet from gold. How many times do we give up? Yeah. We're so close, but we just say, ah, oh, it's not going to ever work. Well, Sharon, in this, as Sharon does, she created what she calls, and she uses this in most of her work, the success formula. And it is pas your passion plus talent times association times action plus faith equals success. Now, I'm not going to ask you all of those. <laughs> I'm not. but And you've shared most of them. But I want, I ask everyone, what is your passion and what is your talent? Really good. I love it. I was so curious. I was like, oh my gosh, where is this going to go? Oh, my passion. If I was to create one word as a, sim a symmetry of everything that I do, it would be play. It would be joyful play and understanding that we're called to be childlike in the way that we live our life. And childlike play has a huge element of faith. And it's the, it's the jumping when it's too high. It's the um, going outside in the rain when it's too wet or too cold, barefoot with no jacket on. It's living life to the fullest uh, intent and experiencing God's beauty in the process. So that would be my passion is joyful play. And that can be done in business. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. And so really helping people unlock that for themselves, head, heart, and within their handbag, right? The money piece. And then talent. My talent is probably activating joy within people. It's the fact that my presence, which is God's presence within me. And I don't have to wear that element anymore. I get to blame it all on God. He wants to take the blame when he comes into a room and, and people experience light or love or joy. It's not me having to carry that medallion, but giving, getting to give him the glory in the process. So activating joy within others and giving them that, that curiosity of, of 
why don't I have that? Or how can I get it? And, Mm -hmm. and then pointing them back to him. Love it. Love it. And, you know, uh, my assistant Elizabeth and I, we marvel every week at everyone's uh, response to that question. I love that. uh, And what also, but when I say marvel, Tamara, it, what I mean by that is it really goes back to the alignment of the person. It's so interesting. Often the person might say something that we didn't expect, but yet it is an alignment of who they are and whose they are. And it really is just a summation of this unique leader's life. You know, it yeah, is really- I feel like you should do like a clip of all of them together. It could be so powerful to have I, that. I and- so, yes, that's a very, it, you know, uh, we've just finished our year. Um, it started out not co- being called Unique Leaders Live. Yeah. It was uh, Hope and Possibilities. But um, it, we've done uh, probably 55, 60 uh, segments of Unique Leaders Live. So Amazing. that would be a great anniversary yeah. uh, of this year to do that. That's Agreed. a great idea. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me and our, my guests, uh, really to share your heart, your mission, your vision, and who you are. Because folks, it, in the uh, text of this, you'll see where to reach Tamara, but do, because you will be blessed by following this woman, because she truly is a light and uh, a sincere light, committed, as she said, with her passion and her talent to play. It's very obvious, very evident, Mm -hmm. and it's very infectious to be your friend and to be around you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Love you so much. Thank you for being here. Stay in the green room for a minute. I'll be right back. Sure thing. Thank you. joining us today. Tamara and I truly, truly appreciate it. As I I shared earlier, please share this out on all your social media. I know you've enjoyed this segment today um, where you're watching, but don't just put it under a bushel. Share it with everyone so that they can glean this information, this heart from this beautiful woman inside and out. Do go on YouTube. It is there. It is live. But subscribe to YouTube for the unique other unique leaders live um, uh, segments. I mentioned Sharon Lecter. She is there. Glenn Lundy, as Tamara mentioned. There are so many amazing people and their stories as well. Not just what they're doing today, but what brought them to the place they are to be a unique leader. Tamara mentioned her book. I uh, shared a little bit about hope and hope and possibilities has just been a foundation of my life throughout my life. So my book was published in uh, December of 2019. Uh, It's hope and possibilities just over the horizon. It's never too early or too late to create the life of your dreams. And it went to number four, not 10. Wow. Number four, in, uh, in, excuse me, number one in four categories, which I'm very proud of as well. And most importantly, January 4th, my mother's birthday. So there's a synergy there for sure. So again, go to megandemartino.com, put in your information. It is now an ebook there, but now you can go to Instagram and DM hope, and you can also download the book. So Reach it however you would like, but I know it will bless you. And like Tamara, there's other things up my sleeve that will be rolling out in the next few weeks. So I look forward to sharing those with you as well. So we will see you next Friday for another Unique Leaders Live and be blessed. 
Thank you for listening to the Unique Leaders Podcast. If we said something today that resonated with you, please connect with me at megandemartino.com. I have a free gift for you, my book, Hope and Possibilities Just Over the Horizon. It's never too early or too late to create the life of your dreams. And don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. I would truly appreciate it. Be blessed.